This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Value Inspiration Podcast. My name is Ton Dobber, and I'm the founder of Value Inspiration. The purpose of my company is to help business software companies rethink what can be to become remarkable again. The goal that I have with this podcast is to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential that we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. So my strong belief is that we can think big, and therefore we should. And doing so will help to create a better world for all of us. This podcast is all about that. The guest on my podcast today is Stefan Browning, Interim Challenge Director, Next Generation Services at Innovate UK. Role is to support industry to innovate and thus support economic growth for the country. The basic idea of the program is that artificial intelligence and the increasing use of data will transform every sector of the economy. We were trying to look at areas where the UK had a particular strength, but where there was a risk of AI and data coming in, disrupting that, and meaning that the UK's its own strength would uh, diminish somehow. Ultimately, we have to drive economic growth. But we want to make sure that that economic growth happens as much as possible in a way that is going to, to help people rather than just be a complete replacement. Yeah. So we are very much looking at that human plus machine approach. This is Stefan. Stefan holds an MBA from Imperial College and a Bachelor of Science in Electronic Engineering. He spent nearly 20 years working for Philips Semiconductors and NXP, where he held various software engineering, project management, and business management roles. During this time, he formed close collaborations with customers and suppliers to deliver open R&D programs. Today, he is leading the Next Generation Service Program as part of the Industrial Strategy Challenge Fund. This program is aimed at supporting the transformation of the UK's accountancy, insurance, and legal services sector by responsible use of AI and data. And this inspired me, hence I invited Stefan to my podcast. We explore the approach and urgency to transform these three very traditional industries. We address the opportunity this creates and why it is required to take a broader perspective than simply technology. By listening to this interview, you will learn three things. Firstly, why doing things better and faster is not enough to create transformative change and protect competitiveness. Secondly, how technology can be a lever to significantly expand market opportunity by addressing non-customers. And thirdly, what's required to conquer inertia in either a company or a sector to remain relevant. So to get the podcast started, Stefan, can you introduce yourself and tell the audience a bit about how you got into this interesting role at Innovate UK? So I'm Stephen Browning. 
I am the interim challenge director for a program called Next Generation Services at Innovate UK. Innovate UK is the national innovation agency for the United Kingdom. Our role is to support industry to innovate and thus support economic growth for the country. The particular program that I'm leading is part of uh, the government's industrial strategy, which was announced back in November 2017. And the basic idea of the program is that artificial intelligence and the increasing use of data will transform every sector of the economy. We don't necessarily know how it will transform that, but we want to focus particularly on accountancy, insurance and legal services and help them transform, but transform in a responsible way. So considering all the issues that arise around uh, the use of artificial intelligence like biases in data sets, like ethics, how you use data, whether indeed you have the right to use uh, that data for the purpose you're looking at, what might happen in terms of underemployment of people, how you uh, deal with the training of junior staff to take higher roles and things like illegal um, all those sorts of softer issues as well as supporting the technical innovation. Okay. And why exactly insurance, accountancy and legal? Why those three and not, for example, uh, education, health and local government? So we were we started from a position that uh, we were looking at the UK economy and the broad, broad economy is built very much on services. So about 80% of our economy is a service economy uh, but that's very diverse so you that includes things all the way from the three sectors i've mentioned through to hairdressing and uh, and things like that so we we were trying to look at areas where the uk had a particular strength but where there was a risk of ai and data coming in disrupting that and meaning that the uk its own strength would uh, diminish somehow. So we looked, we started engaging with industry, talking to people from many sectors, including these three, but also advertising, retail, those sorts of areas. Uh, and really, we came to the conclusion that these sort of professional business services are in a position where they don't really undertake research and development activities they don't know how to so they need help in order to to do that and they are also the bedrock of many other parts of um, of industry or the economy so you can imagine a small business needs legal advice needs accountancy services needs insurance but they don't necessarily go and access those services to the degree they ought to because of price issues or because of not understanding the value that they give. So if we help, for example, the legal services to deliver a more tailored, potentially cheaper service, then the rest of the economy benefits as well and we can 
maintain the uh, the competitiveness of our own legal accountancy and insurance sector. Okay, um, interesting. So, you, well, because of the, the history of those industries and, and not being not doing the research and the and the innovation themselves or driving them themselves, you are you're creating sort of a a hub for that 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 uh, enables to 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 drive the technology with those sectors to drive the innovation with those sectors. So we're we're creating a program of support in terms of. Um, financial support to undertake R&D, but also connection to to the supply technology supply side and people that know how to undertake R&D to help them. And there's a basic premise here that over 50% of productivity growth comes from very high R&D intensive activities, right? So there's an underlying, we need to drive the productivity of these services and the way to do that is to help them actually engage in the R&D activities, particularly around the increasing use of data and broadly artificial intelligence. The other sort of factor in here is if you look at these three sectors, they're all very much focused on human expertise and human activity so if you think of a, a legal services firm even these days uh, you hear of essentially a large cohort of junior solicitors sitting in a darkened room going through reams of documents to get the insights out of those documents yeah. or if you think of um, accountancy it's similar sort of thing you have lots of people going through sets of accounts to actually do an audit activity uh, since there's that similarity and very much the human intuition intelligence there's then the opportunity for learning across those sectors of how you apply a machine intelligence approach in a way that augments those uh, those human activities and helps achieve a better result altogether yeah i see two angles here on the one hand side it's using technology to get away with the non the non-value adding uh, repetitive tasks so actually tasks that no one likes to do the dull the dirty the the dangerous tasks which is typically freeing people up the other side i think is indeed the augmentation angle whereby technology is used to make that human capital that human expertise part uh, stronger so if you look at how you invest the, the, the budget of Innovate UK, do you have special rules around that? Do you have special preferences? So this program is just starting up and we're, we're shaping exactly how we're going to, going to assess applications coming in. But essentially what we do is we run a competitive process where businesses will come forward and say, this is what we want to achieve. This is the commercial opportunity we have this is how we're going to do it this is what's innovative about our approach um, we will also in there be looking at how they handle the ethics side of things biasing data privacy trust of, yeah. um, of users and that whole user design side of things so in this space i would say at the moment there's a lot of people that are looking at AI or machine learning in reality today and going, 
okay, what can I apply this to? And just plowing ahead and applying the technology without thinking of what the broader consequences are. So what we'll be asking people to do is actually think in their application, what are the broader consequences and how am I going to handle that? And we're encouraging them to work very much with not just computer science, academia type people, but also the social sciences or the humanities to look at the the broader consequences, the challenges to adoption uh, that come from human behavior rather than from the technical challenges. Yeah, well, that's exactly what I'm aiming for and the reason why I asked the question, because from that perspective, I... I sense that you have you try to steer the, the technology innovations towards making people better and do helping them do more rather than the initiatives where technology is just used for the sake of technology, which leads to you know people getting getting automated out of a job <laughs> in essence. Is that correct? Yes, ultimately, we have to drive economic growth, but exactly. we want to make sure that that economic growth happens as much as possible in a way that is going to to help people rather than just be a complete replacement. So we are very much looking at that human plus machine approach. Interesting. Do you have any examples of that? I mean, have you, you said you have a competitive process whereby uh, the companies present their ideas, pitch their ideas, have you seen a couple of remarkable examples already? So as I, I said, we're literally just starting this program. So we haven't okay. had any submissions in yet. We're just setting up today. All right. Um, so it will probably be, I don't know, maybe, well, it will be late summer by the time we actually see the applications come in because yeah. we'll probably open a competition in early June and then uh, we'll see... Yeah, have a period of time where it's open so people can put their submissions together and then we'll be seeing them late summer. Yeah, good. Yeah, I realize the organization is quite new, but uh, and that's also why I was uh, interested to well to, to speak to you to understand what this is all about because I think it's a good initiative that well, government is taking ownership here in order to, to steer these things in the right way because there are indeed scenarios whereby, especially, for example, in legal, it could be that that's... You know, uh, in a couple of years' time, we're talking to a legal advisor bot. There's no one behind it anymore. And yeah, the legal industry is, is ending up like the taxi industry will likely end up, an industry where people don't, don't do uh, the majority of the things anymore, the majority of the work anymore. I was actually talking to a, uh, an entrepreneur from San Francisco a couple of months ago that was working on a platform that was essentially he called it a, vi- a viral business platform and a platform that could do all the work kind of get the work plan the work execute on the work and deliver the work without any human being involved from a perspective of, of a physical organization that's exactly what you can what, you, what could, could happen to an insurance accountancy and legal so it's from my perspective very good the initiative that's there so so, so what do you a, put in place Sorry, just on that point, there is also a, a counterpoint that if you can automate parts of the activity or even complete service areas, you can 
bring the the sort of price of those services down and expands the market. So very much today, if you think of an individual citizen, it's very rare to go and get legal advice, right? Sure. But that doesn't mean that people don't need that legal advice in, in some situations or um, similarly, a small business. We know that small businesses access legal advice a lot less frequently than would be beneficial for them. So if you automate parts of that service and make it cheaper, more accessible, yeah. then you you expand the opportunity. So there's two sides to this, right? One is actually the benefit of the legal services, but the other is the benefit of the clients. And by expanding, you maybe don't replace all the humans in the legal services side, but you're providing a service that's more accessible to people and you in, improve everyone's uh, life or exactly. business and or I, whatever. I completely agree on that. That was actually the topic of my first podcast with Mauricio Vecchione from the, the Global Good Fund. And mm -hmm. he was talking about a concept called catalytic invention whereby there were three factors that were really important. And this is about innovation for the bottom 5 billion of the world, the people that, that, that can't even well, think about having legal advice ever. <laughs> this is about people that are living in Africa, the development countries. So it was about the three A's, accessible, affordable, and applicable. And he says, if you so solve the issues that those people have, what you typically see is that if you can do it for them, you can do it for everybody. And, and therefore, it will drive incredible in, in innovation and, and prosperity for the, for the rest of the world as well. I think this is happening here uh, in your terms uh, in a similar type of way. Because I agree. If, if you bring the price down, if you make it more accessible, you will expand the marketplace. That's uh, indeed very, uh, a very important thing. What is Innovate UK doing in order to, to increase the competitiveness of the UK? And I mean, what, what, what do you think you have to do specifically to, for example, compete with other countries around in Europe or maybe in other parts of the world? So we're, of course, focusing on our own firms that are in this industry, both from the supply side and the three service sectors, and trying to help them to innovate and to deliver services that are more accessible, um, more efficient and effective and that in itself should uh, should drive their competitiveness where yeah i guess that that's the principal approach yeah got you which is of course yeah, an ongoing an ongoing thing but there's so many things happening in these spaces i mean i've just i've been working with um, an isv in the banking space the digital banking platforms and what you see is, of course, when you're talking about banks, which is a little different from insurance, but it's in the similar space, is that their whole business is turned upside down, going from being transaction-oriented to now being customer experience-oriented. Do you see those type of changes as well in the, in the sectors that you're talking about here, insurance, accountancy, and legal? So I, I expect those types of changes um, will come about. And if you think of an insurance company, I think you can very simplistically consider that it has three main things it needs to do. One is to be able to price risk very well. So clearly, if uh, if you have more information or different signals 
using larger data sets and using artificial intelligence to extract those data sets. You can you can deal with the probability of certain types of risks better. Yeah. Uh, the second thing they need to do is their whole back-end operations so be operationally efficient um, and, again, automation of various sorts or increasing data uses will help that. But the third one is very much around how they deal with their own customers, right? And if you think of yourself as an insurance customer, you essentially have two points of contact with your insurance company. One is when you first buy an insurance policy or when you renew an insurance policy, and the second is when you have to make a claim. And in both cases, people don't really want to to do that, right? They want it to be as simple and clean as possible. Um, So as technology getting into these areas, the claim process can potentially move from being a one where I, as an insurance client, insurance customer, have to go through a whole process of saying this is what's happened, etc., through an automatic thing of recognizing what's happened from bringing data in, through potentially to one that's actually more about predicting possible issues and mitigating against them. So if you start bringing in, let's say, weather data, you might be able to predict that a house in a particular area is increasing its risk of flooding over the coming uh, couple of weeks. So you might be able to inform the homeowner that actually they should take some action to mitigate the issues that they might have. And if the flood happens before they even even get to the point of wanting to contact their insurance company, as an insurance company, you could even be paying them right there and then a claim, or you could be sending people out to help them sort out their house, whatever it might be. So more predictive, more proactive, rather than the reactive nature. It's all about supporting the moments of truth. Because, I mean, that's exactly what's happening with uh, particularly legal, of course, and insurance. It's it's the services you don't want to use, but, well, sometimes you have to. (laughs) And then competitiveness comes from making it as frictionless as possible. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. Also, if you if you then go to the other touch point, the initial purchase of the insurance or the renewal, I think no one enjoys having to put in all their information of this is uh, the value of my home or this is how many miles I drive in my car, whatever it might be. As you have the ability to gather more information, you can step past those things and and recognise people as individuals with particular needs without having to ask them every uh, question under the sun and then again as you get more personal you can you can drive policies that are much more directly targeted to an individual rather than the sort of broad brush if you work in in this industry then this is your level of risk so we'll give you a price of this Um, exactly if you but you can tailor the the opportunity or the products better. Yeah, that's where data becomes, uh, well, the oil again. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, that's what you see with a couple of interesting initiatives already. 
terms of uh, how, how insurance is dealing with data to, for example, understand how your driving patterns are and your behavior are. Uh, are you driving uh, with, well, with the right speed or not? And I mean, there's a lot of things you can learn from data and, and consequently the services and, and what you pay for insurance. Interesting. So if you, from, from a governmental perspective, if you could give advice to, to businesses in terms of what they can do and should do themselves in order to protect their competitiveness without even going to, uh, to Innovate UK, what, what could businesses in those sectors do themselves? So I think the, the main point from our perspective is to actually engage in looking at these innovation opportunities. Right? So if you think of the legal sector, then currently they're set up with a business model that is arguably a couple of hundred years old with not a lot of changes in that business model over that period of time, which tends to drive a, a lot of inertia in sticking with what you know. And it's difficult sometimes to argue against, uh, against people who are very successful in that area that their approach is wrong. Yeah, but the reality is these things are on the horizon. They are going to take effect. Someone is going to use artificial intelligence, increasing use of data, other technologies to deliver a service in a different way. And if they don't get on and think about what that difference might be, they will get replaced. So they need to be engaging with that future-looking stuff and setting aside time to do that, uh, which is quite difficult in some of these um these businesses because they are set up to bill per hour client time yeah. rather than thinking more broadly on uh, on what's going to happen in the future exactly so how do you do that you know it, it's it's about well, what you're saying people have done this all for 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 hundreds of years the similar way so the argument is we've always done it like this and we continue to do it like that how can you sort of band that that curve, how can you change the perspective in the best way? So it's not an easy thing to do, as you're describing. And in the end, if someone really doesn't want to take that approach and they're happy doing what they're doing, then you can't, uh, can't change them. But essentially, it's about giving them the information, making the case studies, showing the opportunity that happens from these sorts of things, and then helping them engage with people that can deliver this type of technological change or can address the the sort of more human barriers so it's, yeah. it's connecting them with not only technology supplier companies but academics that look in this area so back to the sort of social sciences people making uh, making those connections supporting yeah. consortia of organizations to come together to look at this in a broader perspective so yeah it's financial support to, it is important and that's part mm -hmm. of what we do but it's very much bringing the different parties together to understand explore experiment in a safe way with different approaches yeah so that they start start to feel the benefit of that and once they start feeling the benefit of that they naturally engage more yeah i think it's that's a good point. It's the diversity that you need here. Uh, yesterday, I was speaking to uh, Christian Gutmann from uh, Tieto, 
who's running their uh, their AI department, and he uh, he summarized it in three with three angles to to get things going, getting the right people in the room, one that understands science, one that understands the industry itself, so the business, but also one that understands the impact on society. And I think you've leveraged or you've you've picked upon all of those angles already in this interview. So that seems um, a relevant way to, to get things started. Three people in the room that have those three angles and a couple of hours later, you got a couple of brilliant ideas. <laughs> yeah. So, so probably, you, one of, yeah? sorry, probably one of the, the things I, I should say is that Innovate UK is my organization, but we're working very closely with some other government uh, bodies called uh, the research councils in the UK. So in exactly. particular... We have an economic and social research council that we're working very closely with on this program and a research council called the Engineering and Physical Sciences Research Council. So both of those organisations bring, uh, one, the sort of societal side of uh, things and connection into academia, and the other is more the computer science side. So together with us bringing the industry support we're then building a broader package that should uh, should look across the whole piece and bring that diversity of of knowledge. To this. Exactly. So, yeah, looking at the, well, one of my last questions: uh, if you could ask anything to the audience, how could what what type of feedback would you like to get in order to to help the program succeed? So, I guess the the main thing we're looking at now is what are the particular challenges that these three sectors need to focus on so that we can uh, support those. So I've described there's the expectation that AI and data are going to transform things, but maybe we should be focusing on specific areas such as maybe fraud prevention, mitigation, identification, or the sort of underwriting efficiency side of things or should we be focusing more on the customer experience for all these three sectors in the first instance so i think that could be helpful but then also beyond the the sort of fundamental we need to make sure that the ethics is right there's no bias in the data etc what are specific behavioral problems that these three sectors have that aren't generic to the rest of rest of the use of artificial intelligence and data I mean, examples i could think of myself are in legal services how do you deal with the concept of justice when you're talking about a machine helping in making the uh, making decisions or recommending approaches how do you deal with similar concepts like reasonableness in the contract if you have a machine helping to generate the contract a well-known problem around machine learning and potentially more broadly for artificial intelligence the black box explainability problem what's the real real impact that that has in these three sectors and how do you deal with it specifically for these three sectors those are the the sort of concepts that we need to see what we focus down on in the shorter term Um, yeah i can i can imagine so that we get most impact exactly it's going to be an interesting uh, journey to follow 
once you get the, the, the input and the, well, once the, the competition starts for funding and for, uh, for help. So good luck with that. Where Thank could you. people go to if, you, uh, if they want to find out more about you, your organization, or getting, getting the conversation going? So if they go onto the gov.uk website, on there you can search for Innovate UK. Yeah. And you'll come straight to the pages that, that explain about us. And within that, if you look for a link to Industrial Strategy Challenge Fund, you'll find out more about this particular challenge. But there are other challenges there that also are dealing with uh, artificial intelligence and uh, data areas. So looking at at construction and how that might might be affected or clean growth and energy generation or farming farming agricultural points yep. how data connectivity etc might help to improve yields or reduce need for fertilizer that sort of thing so there's a lot of related areas all under this this thing called the industrial strategy challenge fund so again searching on gov.uk for that will bring up those areas. Okay. And how can people connect with you specifically? So I have a Twitter handle that's uh, Stephen Browning, all one word. Um, okay. Stephen with a PH. That's probably the best, uh, best direct way and people can approach me through that. Okay. Thank you very much for your, for your insights and for explaining the program and what the UK in this case is doing to, to help that insurance, legal, and uh, accountancy are going to thrive in the future. It was inspiring. Thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure, Stefan. And for everybody else that's listening today to this podcast, thank you for tuning in. I had the honor to speak to Stefan Browning, Interim Challenge Director, Next Generation Services at Innovate UK. The goal of this podcast is to share compelling ideas and showcases to inspire what can be when technology and people blend in the right way. It's my strong belief that too much focus is put on automating people out of a process, in other words, cutting costs, rather than scenarios where the unique strength of people are augmented with technology to change the established rules and to deliver a value that was unimaginable before. So with this podcast, I want to make a contribution to change this, to create a broader awareness of what can be, to accelerate the adoption by bringing together you, a tribe of like-minded people and organizations, and lastly, to accelerate the initiatives and solutions that could be created because one idea inspires the other. So if you know about stories that are worth sharing, please send me a message. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas, and that starts with you. If you want to have more information, read my blogs, or obtain information on working with me, just visit me on my website, valueinspiration.com. Thank you for tuning in. And you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast or provide me with your feedback. I'll see you shortly in a new episode. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. 
You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.